0: Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. Happy Hump Day. Oh, and it's a Hump Day, and that means it's Wednesday. That means we got some harmony going on. Uh, Pastor Bobby and Pastor Anthony will be by, and we will talk about, we'll follow up on my conversation we had earlier this week about Jim Jones and communism and the role of the government from a biblical perspective. But before we do all that, we'll roll out to uh, Chicago and bring in Greg Couch. He's written a column about, the Olympics and the lack of heartwarming moments in the Olympics, I think he he wasn't as moved as I was, Uncle Jimmy, uh, yesterday. And by the way, uh, you got some colors going on today. What, 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 what? what? You jumped in a crayon box before you came. Hey, man, what was what,
1: what? you, you? You can't relate to the mustard man, mayonnaise, man? Come on, you better get <laughs> ready, man. You better get ready. Come on, man.
0: <laughs> Quite on, a distraction be- over here. I hope I can focus.
1: You'd have to know how to coordinate,
0: yeah. okay? That's did, what that is. Did you see this last night, Jimmy? Did you see what happened at the Olympics? There was a magical moment here at the Olympics. And the Americans
2: oh, with that here. dream of finally
0: standing atop the podium at the Olympics, Tamira Mensistan. Of the United States has won an Olympic gold medal. I spent, yeah, I spent most of last night and most of this morning trying to figure out what's so different about Tamara Minsa's stock than everybody else at the Olympics. That's she's the 28-year-old black woman who won an Olympic gold medal last night in wrestling and then celebrated. Jimmy, you can relate to this. She celebrated like it was 1999. Remember 1999? Uh, Yes, sir. Prince, you remember Prince had the song? It was a song that, you know, the artist formerly known as Prince, he used to sing about 1999. Back then, Bill Clinton was president. Cher had this unbelievable song uh, called Believe that was number one. Ricky Martin, is that the one where she had the thong on? No, she did not have the thong on. She was old by that time. But Ricky Martin had that song "Living La Vida Loca," 1999. Why was do you d- have that in your mental Rolodex?
1: Well, I just you I'm don't sorry. remember. I'm living La Vida
0: Loca. <laughs> Why do? You- <laughs> anyway, anyway okay. that was a long. That was two decades ago. Right. It was commonplace back then for black athletes, black Olympians to wrap themselves in the flag and celebrate their homeland. Now we don't know what to expect from these guys. There's an expectation of some sort of anti-American protest. That's kind of what we've gotten used to. American shot putter Raven Saunders won the silver medal and crossed her arms in an X. Wakanda forever. She said she did it for oppressed people across the world. Saunders said that she and other athletes had been plotting ways to protest for two weeks over a group chat. You ever do that, Jim? You ever get in a group chat and Plan ways to protest, planned ways. You probably do.
1: Yeah, that's how I got fired from the Sheriff's Department. Exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was his idea. (laughs) The group chat, yeah. I I can believe that. I don't think Tamara Mensah-Stock was on that group text string. She's quite different. After winning her gold medal, she was overcome with joy. She honored God and celebrated her country. Watch this.
3: Because I knew I could do it when I first started wrestling. I felt that I could be an Olympic champ. So I kept going. So I did it.
0: Sam, right you did it.
3: <laughs> but right now, my mom, my aunt, my twin sister, my little sister, and my grandma, they and my little cousins, they are all in Florida right now watching at 6 a.m. <laughs> cheering me on. <laughs> my husband woke up really early to watch me. So it means the world knowing that they are watching and that's all the support I needed. In your wildest imaginations, <laughs> did you think you would ever win an Olympic gold medal? Yes, 100% yes. I knew I could do it. I knew it would be hard. I prayed that I could do it. In my wildest of dreams, I knew. It is not just that you won, you were dominant i mean you won these matches convincingly did you surprise yourself at all i of course i surprised myself it's by the grace of god i'm able to even move my feet like i just leave it in his hands and i pray that all the practice that the hell that my freaking coaches put me through pays off and every single time it does and i get better and better and it's so weird that there is no cap to the limit that i can do and i'm i'm excited to see what What I have next?
0: Last question for you. That American flag around your shoulders looks pretty good. How does that feel to represent your
2: country like this?
3: It feels amazing. I love representing the U.S. I freaking love living there. I love it. And I'm so happy I get to represent (laughs) U.S.A. Love it.
0: (laughs) Mm. U.S.A. Honest to goodness. Her joy jumps through the television screen. You can feel her emotion and energy. Her authenticity exposes the robotic fraudulence of the protesters who plot their actions for weeks. What makes Mensah Stock different from Colin Kaepernick, LeBron James, and so many other of the protesting athletes? Jim, the answer is obvious. It starts with her relationship with her father, Hmm. both of them. The one above and the one in the ground. Mensah Stock enthusiastically professes a relationship with God. She has not chosen the secular path of her peers. Her dad, the one here on earth, was her biggest fan. He died in a car accident driving home from one of her high school wrestling meets. She broke down when a reporter asked her what her father would think of her gold medal performance. Look at this. Tamara, I know you lost your father
3: in high school. How do you think he would be responding right now, seeing you on top of the podium here, coming up? (laughs) He would have been the loudest one here. He would be so proud. He would be so (laughs) happy. He's from Ghana too. (laughs) He, don't say this out loud, but like, he, like, he was like enemies of Nigeria, so it's kind of like poetic that I had the rest of Nigeria in the finals, he's from Ghana, so that was kind of cool.
0: Jim, it's obvious the absence of your biological father or a bad relationship with him oftentimes creates a lifelong bitterness and cynicism. It's not true for everyone, but it is true. Mensah Stock's dad immigrated to America from Ghana. He came here to chase the American dream. He bought into this country and was rewarded for doing so. His children adopted his American spirit and values. Broken families break the spirit. LeBron James and Colin Kaepernick have and or have no relationship with their biological fathers. We shouldn't be surprised that their view of America is ruled by cynicism and bitterness. Despite their economic riches, life has been unfair to them. There's no amount of money that can replace the love of a father and mother. The lack of American pride is a byproduct of the breakdown of the nuclear family. Mental Stock has modeled the behavior of her parents. She's created her own nuclear family. She's married to a wrestler from her college. She has an unwavering commitment to her immediate family. She said she's giving her Olympic prize money to her mom so her mom can start a food truck business. Mensa Stock's parents laid an incredible foundation of support for their kids. That foundation launched a daughter all the way to the Olympics. It was awesome to see Mensa Stock celebrate God, her dad, her mom, and her country. It used to be commonplace for black athletes before we turned our backs on the family structure God prescribed. Jimmy. What, man? That young woman is awesome. What she accomplished was awesome. The way she celebrated was awesome. We need more of that energy throughout America. And and I, I... Jim, I'm just... Seventy five percent of our kids growing up in single parent homes, it undermines everything. It makes you cynical and bitter. And that's why so much anti-American sentiment is being expressed throughout the country because it's not Look, 75 percent of black kids. But I think the the number now is like 30 percent for white kids and for Hispanic kids. It's in the 50s, the high 50 percent centile. It's our breakdown of family that is undermining pride in this country.
1: Let me say that I'm so glad that you didn't come and say something to me right after that clip, because you wouldn't—you would have saw me over here with tears coming down my face. You know, they say that real recognized real. That was real, what she was saying, her emotions and her joy, and that's what we need. In our country, that, that that that's what we need. Man, you just because her, her the, the joy was about her family, her sister, her twin sister, her family. Was, she spent, you know, the words you didn't hear her say. I. Me. Nothing. It was about that. That's what it's about. That right there. That reminded me. Remember George? Remember George Foreman? Yeah. And the flag. Remember Flo Joe taking off running around with the flag around her. That's what I remember about the Olympics.
0: Not all this, not all that mess. Jim, everything starts, in my view, from the family structure. And, 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 and I don't, it'll sound like I'm beating up LeBron and Kaepernick, and I'm really not. I feel sorry for those guys. There was a hole punched in their heart. At a very early age, Kaepernick, both of Kaepernick's parents said his mama gave him up for adoption. I don't think he's ever met his daddy. That punches a hole in your heart. Uh, LeBron James, I don't think ever knew his father or maybe he knows who he is now. And but, but no relationship growing up punches a hole in your heart and creates a cynicism and a bitterness and 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 it sounds like I'm beating up on them but I'm not my parents divorced when I was 4 or 5 years old lucky for me both of my parents stayed highly involved in my life uh you know lucky for me my immediate family we had a bond and a connection and and I I feel like I come from a great foundation but there is no better foundation than two parents in the home committed to their kids, and, and then if they do break up, divorce, two parents both still involved in their kids' lives. And so I, I look at, we're all sitting around angry. There's a lot of us, and I won't say all, but there's a lot of us sitting around angry like, man, look at these athletes, look at these public figures, look at the anti-American sentiment that seems to be growing in this country and we're getting mad at those individuals, and we're not looking at the truth and the reality is, like, these guys are victims. They're victims of the breakdown of the American family structure. They have whole, because I'm just sorry, the facts are the facts. We're blessed mm-hmm. to be born into this country and to have these freedoms and the opportunities we have and and the Olympics, if the athletes would go around and go talk to these athletes from other countries, who all, all is a strong word, many of them would love to jump over to this country and have the opportunities they have. And so I, I was right there with you. The first time I saw this yesterday, I got emotional and was just like, wow, so needed that energy because it's so authentic, like you and I both have said. It exposes the inauthenticity of a lot of you know, the woman is putting up the X that, that don't remotely feel real. The woman that, at the Olympic trials that pulled her T-shirt over her head, said she was set up. That don't feel real. When LeBron James is tweeting out, oh, we're hunted every day. That, that don't feel real. That's a gimmick. That's a stick. That's stuff they're doing. What this woman did was real. And it's not just because I agree with it. You could just feel it. You could sense it. Can I ask you a question real quick on LeBron James and yeah. tweeting out?
1: Has LeBron James tweeted out a congratulations to this lady?
0: Has Colin Kaepernick... I'm going to have to go look. I'm gonna have to, I don't want to say no. but Has yeah.
1: Colin Kaepernick tweeted out a congratulations to this lady? Has Simone Biles tweeted out a congratulations? Speaking of that, I think that on Twitter, I think a lot of America still Complimenting and congratulating Simone Biles for quitting instead of congratulating this woman for accomplishing what she's accomplished of never quitting. And oh, the other thing, uh, her father died and she continued. You mean to tell me that so she didn't turn and start smoking weed after her father died?
0: It, Jim, you've made a hell of a point in terms of of we've spent. The past week, celebrating Simone Biles for quitting. Everybody, oh, I can't wait to get Simone Biles on my show, uh, and, and and let's hear more from Simone Biles. And look, Simone Biles plays or participates in one of the premier sports at the Olympics, uh, gymnastics. Right. That's a, She was the face. I, I get it. She's the face of the Olympics. She's done all these commercials. Women's wrestling relatively new to the Olympic sport. But but you're right, anybody that saw this video and saw what it meant to this, and let, let's go ahead and play the cards, the left loves to play. This is a black woman. And uh, where is the celebration of her? Where? Where's John Legend? There should be a song, where's Alicia Keys? <laughs> It's early. We'll see what they do. But you're right. I just looked on LeBron. You know, everybody's in support. Two two, two, two athletes have reached out to her. Kurt Angle. Is that right? Yeah, a
1: wrestler. The wrestler? Mm Mm-hmm. And Dana White.
0: Dana White.
1: (laughs) Okay. You know who Kurt Angle works for? WWE. Dana White.
0: UFC. Other than that, you ain't heard nothing. You know what Kurt Angle and, and, and Dana? Dana White have in common? Mm-hmm. They white. Where's the black support? Honest to goodness. I ask mm-hmm. what I'm asking. Where's the black support for this black woman who I'm going to expect, now
1: I'm going to have to go look. I need to know where's the chosen one. You, you know that dude that got chosen one? You know that dude that got hung up on the cross for all of our sins in, for the NBA?
0: Yeah.
1: Where is he at? I mean, he's the leader. A- ain't he the leader?
0: I want to Where's QSTD? Where is the
1: L-G-B-T-Y-N-Q-S-T-D? Where they at?
0: <laughs> Before I get too far.
3: out I of
1: mean, the- I'm I'm just asking. Matter of fact, I'm hey, I don't think your your people over there on that other network even covered this story. I could be wrong. Over there at ESPN, I don't think they they covered it. I need to know where is the coverage? <laughs>
0: Woo! I'm glad I checked. Oh, oh. I, I, I. I, What you got? I got. She's married to a white dude. Which, I'm just gonna say, (laughs) her base of support isn't coming from us. (laughs) Now she does have her immediate family and all that other stuff. But I, I'm glad I checked because I, I was about to say something inaccurate and and, and wrong. But hear this strong woman, committed, coming from a great family. Where's her support from us? That's what I'm asking.
1: Where where's the support from? The media that you're giving her right now, you're coming out with your opening story. Where's that at from everybody else? And I ain't just saying it because I'm sitting next to you. I'm asking you a serious question because I think it's a great freaking story. And if that ain't what America's based on, tell me what the hell it is. Let me tell you something. When I was in the United States Marine Corps, when I graduated from the Marine Corps, I heard the Star Spangled Banner all my life. Hey, man, nothing changes the way you hear about the Star-Spangled Banner when you're standing there in your Marine Corps blues after you done committed and, and come through a, a, a boot camp and you hear that song. I'm sorry, man. I understand what she's talking about.
0: I'm looking, you, you just led me to one of my big uh, positions or thoughts that I've had for a long time. The lack of a draft... Conscription has ruined America. Mm. We used to make people ante up to be, you know, men. you 18? Go, go join the military service. There's a damn good chance. And that was you anteing up in some investment in this country. And and, and I think it's one of the biggest mistakes we've ever made. And and, and I say that knowing that if, if I had gotten drafted— I would have been disappointed and you know, I, I would have been upset. But de- my father, I'm, <laughs> my father used to tell me all the time, man, you need to join the military. That, that's the one, you need that discipline, you need to, it's one of the greatest. my father was a street guy. Jo- getting drafted and going into the military, straightened him up, put him on the right path, opened his eyes, and again, my father lived through some really tough, difficult times in America, racial history. But he believed in this country. He believed in his opportunities to create some happiness and joy and space for himself to do things that he wanted in this country. And I, I look at these people right now that, that, that just want to run around and wh- whoever the Raven Saunders is just wants and the Gwen Berry and all, all these. They haven't been through anything compared to my father and now. And, and, and I know how I'm just sorry. I've, I've seen some racist acts in America. I've definitely seen, lived through it, have seen it. I'm not dismissing it all. America is not perfect. No one in America is perfect. There's some things I've done in my life that people could attribute to if they wanted to racism. It was really just me being stupid. And again, I think I told the story a couple of weeks ago about me be beating up some white dude at a bar my senior year of college. It wasn't racism; it was stupidity and alcohol. And and so people do dumb things, and some of it is, I guess, based in race And not. Not guessed. I know based in race, but but to 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 denigrate this country the way that we have, no way, no dice, no. Unless you can show me some place in the world is doing it better than us, not going there. And so I'm, I'm so thrilled and pleased that this woman expressed what many of us know, even the people out there faking and protesting and taking a knee. Because if Colin Kaepernick felt the way that he says he does or if LeBron James, they would move. They would move. They would be like, I'm up out of here. I got my-. I would move. Yeah. If,
1: if, if they- I felt that way. Yes. I ain't staying nowhere. I ain't want it.
0: Nowhere every time I go outside, I'm hunted. Oh, you no. haven't moved. That, 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 haven't that, that contradicts rule number one of self-survival. <laughs> <laughs> it's ah. Hey, did, did, can yeah, I that. tell you
1: the biggest racist thing about this? Go I'm ahead. sorry. Go can on. I just tell you the biggest racist go thing going on about this? The biggest racist thing going on is she ain't got no support from no black athletes. That's racism at its highest. How
0: are we as black athletes not supporting this athlete? Let's let's see what happens over the next 24 hours. It You know, yesterday it was popular on social media, basically among conservative white people and a handful of the rest of us. that got some comments. I didn't even want to go there uh, <laughs> even,
1: because that, that's who's been complimenting. Her. Yeah, I'm, that's who's reaching out to her on Twitter. But I didn't even want to go there. Uh, that's uh, a damn shame.
0: Anyway, Jim, it's about that time again. Time for me to grab a bill bar. <laughs> Hey man, our I built bar supply is getting low. I know. <laughs> I know, but it's time for me to grab one. You've heard me talk about my love for the salted caramel, but today I'm going with cookies and cream. Hey Corey, is that the cookies and cream right there? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they got so many great flavors: orange, mint, brownie, uh, coconut. All low in calories, low in sugars something. and carbs. These protein bars shouldn't be this good, but they are. Built Bar is also the new official partner of the U.S. Olympic track and field team for this year's Summer Olympic Games that are going on right now in Tokyo. Did you see this Sydney, Sydney McLaughlin? Yeah, yeah. Possibly the finest Olympian we've ever produced. I can say that. She's can you, 21.
1: Can you? They She's
0: don't. don't. <laughs> okay, look, you could be
1: possibly shaming her. Who? Facial shaming her. The woman is beautiful. She's spectacular. Women don't like uh, you gotta be careful. Women don't like you saying that nowadays. They don't? She
0: she she's gentle on the eyes. She's awesome. Okay. And she came back and won. She beat another American for gold and silver. And they were both they were both great in how they celebrated. Uh, winning as well. They thank God. Thank the USA. Said they was proud to represent. I was glad to hear from both of them. I think the other woman's name is. And it's beginning to make me enjoy watching the Olympics again. Delilah Muhammad, I think is her name, came in second place. It was incredible. All right. Anyway, go to built.com and use the promo code fearless to save 15% off your first order. Use promo code fearless for 15% off at built.com. All right, welcome back. Uncle Jimmy, let's roll out to Chicago. My guy. And bring in your guy, uh, G-Nice. G-Money. <laughs> Call him G-Money. Uh, Greg, Greg Couch has written a column about the selfie games. That's his nickname uh, for these Olympics. He's calling it the selfie games. Greg, uh, come on in here, and I want you, before I, I'm going to show uh, a video of Novak Djokovic making a fool of himself, but first I want it. I want you to explain why you're calling this the selfie games
4: Well, I mean I think the social media has sort of performed a lobotomy on a lot of our young people and, and Athletes in general because it's sort of removed the part of the brain that has empathy so I'm, I'm calling it selfie games as sort of a play on words because uh you know, self-absorption plus selfie, which is something on social media. So just put them together in selfie games. So that's that's where that comes from.
0: Yeah, you, you said that there hadn't really been any heartwarming moments so far in this Olympics, and I, I want to. Sh- here's the clip of uh, Novak Djokovic. You you don't consider this heartwarming? Take a look at this.
3: What a point! Oh no, just threw his racket in the stands. Good thing there's no crowd there. Wow.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's Djokovic throwing his racket into the stands, and then he 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 basically he quits on his doubles partner. You don't consider that heartwarming?
4: <laughs> it's self-obsessed. I mean, uh, you know, it's ridiculous. The guy throwing your racket is a temper tantrum. I can even live with that. That's bad enough, especially when you're the, the you know, the, the sport of tennis has been led by the men's tennis has been led by Federer and Nadal for so long. And they're such, you know, great, greatly behaved people. So, you know, when you have leaders of a sport, the rest of the sport follows those people. So now here comes Djokovic and he's going to be the new leader of the sport. So God knows where the sport's going to go. But I mean, I can live with that. But what you can't live with is him walking off on on, on his mixed doubles Bronze medal match just because he's angry and doesn't you know doesn't doesn't feel like playing anymore because his partner uh you know Nina Stojanovic I think is her name I mean she's her dreams are shot now you want to win an Olympic medal well, too bad I'm it's all about me I'm I'm done I don't really want to play anymore so yeah not not exactly heartwarming no
0: all right so you in your column talk about Djokovic and Simone Biles who obviously Simone quit during the team competition and uh, dropped out of a lot of the individual events and then came back and won the bronze medal. Greg, help us analyze who looks worse here, Djokovic or Simone Biles? Who, Who had the worst temper tantrum, the worst moment at the selfie games?
4: I mean, Djokovic had the worst moment because what he did is take his partner away from having a chance to, to play in the Olympics and to win a medal. At least with Biles, she she stepped away from her team. They both walked away from their teammates because they don't understand what a team is. But at least Biles' teammates were able to go ahead and compete anyway. With the with the gymnastics, you had four Uh, athletes there and for each uh, individual thing they would they would compete three of their the three they think were the best so when Biles was out at least the other three were able to compete and go for it so but it's, it's it's roughly the same thing I mean these guys just they don't think about the team it looks ugly they're the goat of their sport maybe I mean Djokovic is at least in the argument and uh it's just sad. I mean it's just it's pathetic, really, that you you, you you not even give one shred of thought, one second of thought to who your teammates are. You're supposed to be there fighting with these people, not just, well, it's about me and now I've lost or I'm not happy, so I'm 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 out. I don't I don't know who these other people are. That I don't represent them, they don't represent me at all. Terrible.
0: Greg, we started out the show, Uncle Jimmy and I with a discussion basically focused on We think the breakdown of the family is why the athletes are so different and so narcissistic and so anti-American. You've kind of made an argument in your column and you've mentioned in passing here that social media is driving a lot of the narcissism and selfishness. And I'm sure they both play a role, the breakdown of the family and social media. But what's what's what do you think is driving the selfishness? Bad parenting
4: or technology and social media? I think the technology and social media is more of a modern issue, and so we're seeing the modern results. I mean, bad parenting has been around for a long time, you know, for generations. And, and you know, the social media, it, I mean, it's been around for a while too now, but it's just such a, a daily part, a minute-by-minute minute part of, of the lives of these people. So they're, they're looking in their phones, and they're, Making friends, but these are friends that they've never even met before and they're trying to get likes, uh, you know, they're obsessed with their own photos and themselves and they're living in this sort of bubble and they never really connect with human beings and there's an empathy missing there just because of it. So, I mean, yeah, the parents have been terrible for decades. There have been plenty. Of, we always have had examples of terrible parents. And they, I th- actually, they've even gotten probably worse since Tiger Woods dad was, you know, teaching us that if you take your four year old and turn him into a professional, then he could actually go on and make hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, and, and, and really Venus and Serena Williams dad Richard Williams did the same thing. But I think the social media is the bigger issue right now. And, and that's why it's leading to a newer behavior. So yeah, so I mean, but I agree with you about the breakdown of families. It's a, that's it's huge.
0: Uncle Jimmy, that's your boy, Greg Couch. You got anything you want to add? Hey, Greg, real
1: quickly. You're a coach. You teach a lot of these young athletes. What is it that you tell your athletes that you teach them to try to prepare them to maybe hopefully avoid some of these uh, ego things and some of these problems that happens with the media?
4: Well, I mean, I I tell them that the purpose of a team is to support the team. And so that's what they're here for, is to support the team, not to be for themselves. And it's actually with a tennis team you know, it's a little bit of a different thing because tennis is really an individual sport. And when you play team tennis in college, it's sort of a a contrived thing to put them together as a team. So these kids and tennis players in particular, they've grown up being taught to play for themselves and be on a court, learn how to deal with things yourself. And it's all about yourself uh, in tennis. So, But I've taught them that, you know, the purpose of the team is to support the team. And then also I try to have... You know, to some extent, I try to mix up some of the different levels of players and have some maybe some of my top players will help warm up or give some work with with some of the lesser players. I mean, they're all good players. They're college players, but just sort of bond. And, and the other thing I do is I have the men and the women tennis teams practice together as one group. And, and I just try to promote the whole group idea instead of just, the, you know, six or 12 individuals.
0: Thank you, Greg. Thank you. My guy. Jimmy. What, man? Simone Bowles, I think, in an interview with Mike Tarico, I think last night it was, talked, she complained, part of her answer when he was talking about the pressure she was feeling and how hard it was, she said that, yeah, it's really hard, and it's harder because I'm a woman, because everyone wants to see us fail. And and when I saw this, someone sent it to me over social media. They showed me the clip. And I'm like, what America has she been living in that she thinks America or people are rooting for women to fail? What, 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 What is she? This country has been bending over backwards for 60 years or 50, a good 50, Title IX and the investment in women in athletics is through the roof. We've, the whole, the whole, the government, the country, the money has all been invested in trying to promote women's sports and this woman thinks we're all sitting around hoping that she fails. Again, this goes back to like, what are we teaching these kids? Who's putting this BS bad information in their ears? The China. (laughs) China? Jim, you're, you're not joking, but you're also right. In of, that, you just reminded me, uh, and I almost went here today, Tucker Carlson last night mm-hmm. <laughs> did a monologue about China and the money they're investing in American media and how the New York Times took down a bunch of articles that basically China had paid for and they took him off their website, tried to make him disappear, but they got busted. And then he walked through all the other different media, including the Washington Post, getting money from China, and it, it was terrific monologue. I keep going back, man. People, we got to quit going for the rig job. It's like, oh, Tucker Carlson, he's racist. Oh, he's conservative. Don't listen to him. This dude is courageously exposing things that people need to hear, see, and understand. America is being bought right from out from underneath us by China and other influences. I, I'm glad you mentioned that because it reminded me again. Tucker Carlson, terrific monologue last night. People should go back and watch it. All right, go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. Hit that subscribe and like button uh, when we come back. Very briefly, you don't have to go very far, we're going to get into some harmony. Pastor Bobby, Pastor Anthony here, we're going to talk about the role of government from a biblical perspective. Right. I just I just
1: I want
3: to I just to be, I just
0: Welcome back. Welcome back to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. A special Wednesday, Tennessee Harmony edition. We're joined again by pastors Bobby Harrington and Anthony Walker from Renew.org. Guys, thank you so much for uh, being here again. Appreciate it. Earlier this week, I went on a rant about Jim Jones and communism. And because uh, a congresswoman out of California compared... Uh, Donald Trump to Jim Jones and Jim Jones is from Indianapolis originally. I'm from Indianapolis. Uh, My family uh, Attended several of his church services. My grandmother was a big fan of Jim Jones Jim Jones at one time wanted to be basically the Martin Luther King the white Martin Luther King uh, Or pretended to want to be that but anyway it led to a larger conversation about Christianity and government and what is a healthy form of of government but i wanted to start guys by just getting a biblical perspective for our viewers and listeners how should christians view
2: communism all right well let me ask you this are you concerned about communism or marxism Mm both but Marxism the political theory is is based on socialism first then communism and yeah. so, so you're going all the way like as if we were to implement communism here yes <clears throat> um, the the whole conversation for me is very personal because in the late 70s uh, as a young man I was trying to decide uh, what I was going to do I was a political science major And so I went to the Soviet Union, I went to Russia, I went to Moscow. And it was coming back from Moscow when I really concluded how terrible uh, communism was that I made a decision to find out more about the Bible, which led me to end up becoming a disciple of Jesus, and now I'm in ministry. So this is super personal for me. Um, Communism itself is built around Marxism, and Marxism is an alternative religion. Let's just be upfront. It's not just a philosophy. It's an alternative religion, and it has all the mark. Stop there, Bobby. Why do you say that? In ter-
0: Mar- I- I've heard of it as a political theory. You're the first person I've heard someone say
2: it's really a religion. Yeah. Uh, the reason that I'm I'm going to say this is there are versions of religion that do not. Uh, directly refer to God. Like Buddhism, there's, there's uh, forms of Buddhism where you don't believe in God. And a lot of times people make this mistake of thinking you've got to explicitly refer to God for it to be religious. And that's not true. If it's something that becomes an idol, where you make it a God, you make it the way you look at life and you're passionate about it, and it forms your worldview so that everything that you see, think, Uh, strategize around is based on that philosophy, that becomes the god of your life. And what's happening right now in the United States is a lot of people on the left are making socialism their religion. And uh, it's become the way they interpret life and it forms all the ways they think. And we're mistaken if we don't call it religious. Uh, And before I let you hop in, Anthony, I I see
0: it as Americans are making politics their religion and it's really not a left or right thing. I think I see people that identify themselves as Republican, that's their religion. I've seen people that identify themselves as Democrats, that's their that's how they interpret
2: yeah. the world. So I I can see why you're saying what you're saying. I personally don't see it that way. I see it that what's happening is that there's a cultural warfare right now between a Marxist view of the world on the left, a religious Marxism on the left, and people trying to hold on to the judo-Christian belief system of the past. Then many of them on the right are still devout Christians, and they don't like what's happening. And the only way they think they can fight it is through uh, Republican politics.
0: My problem would be, and this is what I've said to people, conservative people I spoke to, spoken to, is like, I'll see them write on their bios on Facebook, Twitter, first thing they'll list is I'm a Republican or I'm a a MAGA or I'm conservative. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. where's God at in this? And where, why is it Christ, Christianity, the first thing the yeah. list? And so I see people all the time on both sides. Of the list. Their first thoughts on everything are, uh, as a conservative, how should I feel about this? As a liberal, how should I feel about this? And I just, the reason why we keep having these harmony discussions is I want people to say, as
2: a Christian,
0: yeah, how should I feel about this?
2: Yeah. So I, 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 agree that there are people doing that. I told you a couple of weeks ago about the guy I had a conversation with and I said, bottom line, which is more important, Jesus or the U.S. Constitution? And he hedged. Uh, and it's because a lot of people, they've merged the two in their minds. And I agree uh, that that's not right. Okay. So if you, if I would say to those people, if you
0: immerse yourself in Christianity and let People know that's where your
2: worldview is coming from. They might see and hear you differently. I totally agree. One of the most important things right now for uh, churches that are really committed to Jesus and Scripture is to disentangle ourselves politically from identifying that with Republican Party. Because, as again, this goes back to what we talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, Neither part. Jesus doesn't come in the words of Tony Evans. Jesus doesn't come riding on a donkey or an elephant. He transcends both of them and is more important than both of them. That's why he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Anthony, jump in here.
5: That's the point where we agree that I, I think that when you get to Republican, you get to conservative, you get to liberal and you see that before you see Christ, or that leads before you lead with Christ, all that will happen is the pendulum will keep swinging. You'll go to an extreme view, a Marxist view, you'll go to a socialist view, you'll go to uh, a a conservative only or MAGA only, when Christ needs to be elevated above all of that. That's
0: right. Well, I, I just think for those of us that are believers, if we want to be heard, by people who disagree with us, we got to cover ourselves in Christ, because I'm just—they're t- not going to hear you if you're covered in Republicanism or Democrat, blah blah blah. They're just—they've been trained to dismiss you. Yeah, and and so they haven't all they are doing a good job. They're getting close to like if you say you're a Christian, you've been—they've been trained to dismiss you. But there's enough of us that grew up in the church that that we can we can distinguish oh that's a christian that that's he's coming at me And the and they may dismiss it disagree or whatever but at least they know you're coming from a good place that's where i i
2: i think you know we're missing the boat uh and by the way just yeah amen <laughs> and it, that's why it's so important i just want to say it again that we've got to not enmesh ourselves with either political party. Yes. We've got to mesh ourselves. There, there's a different political party and it's uh, the kingdom of God and the leader is King Jesus. Yes. And that's who we advocate for, to both parties.
0: Yes. So I was talking, a couple of weeks ago, I'm at home in Indianapolis and it's, even, it's before Jackie Spear made her comments. I'm actually talking to my mother and my aunt uh, about Jim Jones. And, and my mother made the comment because, you know, I was sitting there. She's heard me say it a million times. I was like, man, these ministers that lace their ministry and sermons with politics, it, 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 it's a mistake and it hooks us every time. And my mother said, accurately, I thought she goes, yeah, sometimes as black people, we fall for uh, thinking we can build a utopian society. And it makes me want to ask you all. And I'll start with you, Anthony. Can man build a utopian society here on Earth?
5: I don't think so. Um, I think we can do the best we can to make the world better. I think that we can live a Christ-like life, transforming our families, transforming our neighborhoods. But a utopia, the only utopia that I'm aware of is heaven. Uh, Even Abraham, uh, the Bible mentions in Hebrews chapter 11 around verse 10, even he, as he's headed to a promised land, he says, I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. So if we can keep people from not trying to Uh, Build a utopia make the world a better place make your area a better place do what you're supposed to do in your area Disciple those uh, as Christ would have you to but we're all seeking heaven. That's the that's the only utopia that I'm aware of
2: I totally agree in fact what we want to do uh, True followers of Jesus. We want to be a uh, in a church that becomes a, a signpost of heaven a signpost of utopia We follow King Jesus, so we forgive each other. Uh, We reconcile to each other. We love and serve each other. In our families, people stay married. They work their stuff out. Um, In the home, uh, you've talked about this quite a bit, men are the servant Christ-like leaders of their families uh, where uh, people are encouraged to uphold honesty and truthfulness. So the church becomes a signpost of the real uh, utopia, which is coming when Jesus comes back. Yes. And so between now and then, we just try to live it out as best we can. We speak to the government, be they Democrat or Republican, but we speak from within a community where King Jesus is our leader and we're following him.
5: I'd like to piggyback on what Bobby just mentioned about the church of, uh, you know, It is a family. It is a community that looks like Jesus. And God has always wanted his people to be that model, be that example. As he said, if anybody wants to learn anything about how to treat one another, look at my people. If anybody wants to know how do you make marriage work, look at my people. They can get a picture of it. They can get a signpost, as he says, about what this utopia could be. But transforming it all down here, we're going to point back to Jesus.
0: All right. I need you guys to go to YouTube.com/slash Jason Whitlock. Hit that subscribe. Hit that notifications button. Hit make some comments. I'll be down there in the comments section reading what all you guys say. We're not going to take a break. We're going to keep the conversation rolling. I just wanted to throw that in to my next question
2: because it's all. What is the proper role of government? Bobby. So, Jason, you and I were talking about that this week. There's two roles of government in Scripture. There's Revelation 13, which describes the Antichrist empire. So that's really bad. It's government uh, at its worst, the thing most people really fear. Then there's the book of Romans, chapter 13, which is the government at its best. So you have the battle between the two passages. Is it Revelation 13 government or is it Romans 13 government? So in Romans 13, in fact, let's uh, just throw up on the screen uh, the passage where uh, the Apostle Paul describes for us how God wants us to look at government and the role God wants government to play. Here's what he says. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. So he goes on, he talks about uh, give taxes to whom taxes are due, give honor to whom honor is due, that the role of government, is to punish crime, to uphold the good, and government should be honored. That's a good role for government. But let me just say this, and this ties back in with our conversation around Marxism. God never intended the government to be our be-all and end-all. Right. God's intention, if you're going to put your eggs in any basket, it would be the local church where the local church lives out this godly life and the government uh, is supportive of that community, but the government doesn't become that community. Mm. Now, mm. let me go to the danger because I Hold oh, thi- for one second, before you get to the danger, because
0: I, I, I saw Anthony nodding his head in approval. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there something you wanted to add to that?
5: Absolutely. I mean, as exactly what he just mentioned about the church, but about government. It is not to be invasive to keep God's purpose and God's plan for man to get in the way of that. So God has a kingdom, a global kingdom mindset for his people. And he has evidenced that through his church. He did not want the government to be that, now he has established government for governing purposes, as he mentioned, to stop crime and, and keep us managed, et cetera, but we live by a higher calling.
0: So I hear all that, and my first question is, the safety net that yeah. government is providing, from Social Security to welfare now, the, you know, all the programs, are we
2: saying that's improper? That's a really good uh, question because obviously it it helps people and it's government uh, establishing things that are good and helpful. You know, up until recent times, like in the last, say, 200 years, oftentimes the church would take that role. We have a copy of the church payroll in the year 253 AD. The ancient church writer Eusebius describes who is on the payroll of the church in Rome? And he mentions 90 elders, 52 exorcists, and he says 1,500 widows that they were taken care of all through church coffers. So what's happened now is that churches tend not to take care of each other, and they look for the government to do that. And I think that we have to be candid about that, that uh, there's benefits to it with the government taking care of people, but there's also dangers. Because wherever the government goes, government philosophy goes with it, and government philosophy often uh, becomes more important and has a greater priority than Christian philosophy. So I would say... Uh, it's attention to be managed, but there are dangers, especially when government becomes everything. And that's the danger of Revelation 13. And you wanted to elaborate on that, or you just did? No, nope. no, I will now, if, if you'd like. Yeah. So in Revelation 13, which not every Christian believes, like what I believe about this, but I believe that Revelation 13 describes an end time empire that's government, where government's everywhere. And government becomes its own God, or is treated like a God, and it's pervasive in everything, and it becomes the enemy of God. So let me read the description. Uh, Revelation uh, chapter 13, starting in verse 1. John describes it as a beast, and it's the imagery that they use in prophetic literature to talk about a political empire. So he says, I saw a beast coming out of the sea. And then he goes on and says, it was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. It was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. It forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. So it's envisioning a scenario where government becomes everything and government controls everything, and government is against the purposes of God because government is its own God. There you and from the earliest days, Bible-believing Christians have always had a hesitancy about government and about government taking on too much authority, because when government does that, it becomes its own religion and its own entity. And uh, invested with too much power, it becomes opposed to the things of God. And so, Bobby, I want you to clarify
0: for our viewers, listeners... When you say early Christians, you're not talking
2: about the 16, 1700s. You're talking about long before yeah, then. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the New Testament was completed. Probably the last book is the book of Revelation in 90 AD. By 125 AD, so this is one of the first books ever written after the New Testament. It's called the Didache. And it, it envisions a government entity that is opposed to the people of God doing great damage to the people of God, like Babylon did of old. They often use the imagery of Babylon from the Old Testament, where God's people were in captivity in Babylon. And so they they were warning from day one about the role of government being the oppressor of God's people. We've always got to be careful to, to stand against that.
5: Jesus, you know, he did what he was supposed to do as a citizen. And he even encouraged. uh, He was challenged on that notion. You know, should you pay taxes? Should you be a participant? And he responded, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. And as Bobby just mentioned, oftentimes throughout history, the church and government you know tried to have these partnerships but it would never work because they have a different end in mind as he mentioned the government is its own entity and god has a kingdom mindset so those won't mix we have to be good citizens but again we're following king jesus
2: we have an alternative political uh, philosophy and it's that we're we have allegiance to king jesus yes more than anything yes
0: I'm sitting here listening to you guys talk, and and I don't know if this personal story is appropriate for me to share or even if it helps the conversation, but I'm listening to you all. When I was in California, uh, I grew up in a church in Indianapolis. It's a small church, 25th Street Baptist Church in the inner city in Indianapolis. When I was in California, I was providing financial support to my church back in Indianapolis, because I had this vision of and it's trust me People would think this church was nothing. It's just a little small little church We had holes in the roof and I had to put a new roof on the church and all this other stuff But I had this vision of That little local church Being the engine for this whole neighborhood. Wow That it it lives and I wanted it to provide jobs and you know, for people in that community, and just even if we just started with doing lawn care, and we bought the equipment and rented it out to people in the neighborhood, but I wanted the church to be the engine for that neighborhood, and then we were just going to grow it. Some things happened uh, <laughs> that I won't go into, but I just I'm listening to you all talk, and and. and a lot of my stuff comes from instincts or cuz obviously I'm not as well versed as you all but how come we can't get there to where every church sees itself as the engine for the neighborhood that it exists in and then just grow it out from there and maybe there are, maybe there are churches doing this but uh, it's so much what I believe in in term and and to hear you all say and for me to fully now understand that gov that the church should actually be more powerful than the government. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and we've
5: got it reversed now. Yeah. Paul, Paul mentions it like this. Paul says that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And that word he's using, reconciliation, is bringing things back into harmony with God. So our main mission through discipleship, through uh, teaching others and evangelizing to others about Jesus, is to bring them back to God. If you grow up in an inner city situation, absolutely, your mind is thinking, I got to make a dollar. I got to get out of here. I got to do something. And that drive will lead you to things like, well, the government ought to give us a little bit more of this, or somebody ought to give me a, but when we can tell people you were made by God who created the universe, he has empowered you by the blood of Jesus. When we give them that and let them know your identity is found in God, your purpose, your mission is found in God. And we shift that mindset. Now we're not looking to the world to provide us with what God has already given us. But that's that's a part of our mission. It is, as you keep mentioning, it is transforming our communities, because if we've got better men in the church, they contribute to better marriages. Those better marriages make better families that contribute to better churches that contribute to better communities, better counties, Ooh. better schools, better. All of that starts yeah. with our mindset being on Christ. You know,
2: there's a, when you talk about the kingdoms of the world, in Daniel chapter 2, there's this vision yes. of this uh, little rock, and all of a sudden, which represents the kingdom of God. So the church is all about, it's a signpost or a little display of the kingdom of God. And the vision in in Daniel chapter 2 is the church becomes this huge thing that ultimately becomes the kingdom that takes over all kingdoms. And it's the kingdom where King Jesus rules and he rules over a people in the new heaven and new earth where everything is renewed and everything becomes the way God originally intended it. We got to live that out now in anticipation that that's where we're going. You guys have probably already answered this question,
0: but I'm going to ask it again. Government responsibility versus individual responsibility? Is there any particular scriptures or just insight you guys
2: can provide? So uh, let me just uh, contrast the two again. Because like you, Jason, I'm very concerned, and I think everybody should be concerned about the adoption of Marxist uh, philosophy because it's, it's really taken over the institutions of our society. It's this Marxism that sometimes isn't even called Marxism, but it basically teaches us that government is the answer to every problem. And the difficulty with that is in the New Testament, there's an emphasis on we are responsible to God and to each other, to do our part. And the government is not going to call people to individual responsibility. Let me just give you one little crass example. Uh, In the book of Thessalonians, it says, he who won't work shouldn't eat. So in a church context, for example, uh, if, if people are just going to be lazy and not get jobs and take care of themselves like that, the church would hold them accountable for that. In a government situation, you can't deal with the morality of things. Especially under Marxism, morality becomes more about oppression and who's oppressed and who's not instead of practical individual responsibility. So the church, again, needs to uphold uh, what the Bible teaches on these and not look to the government to do that.
0: I'm not... uh... I'm I listen to that, and I think about our belief in government and politics to solve problems to the point that people will put on T-shirts and slogans, vote or die. And I listen to that, and I go, you know what, as Christians, we need to come up with a T-shirt, worship or die, Mm. (laughs) pray or die. Love it. Because when I hear voter die, what they mean is, like, oh, my God. And again, I don't want to denigrate voting, but I've never done it because I just don't see it as a priority. I get it from back in the days before I was born. And and luckily, Martin Luther King and my parents and grandparents made sacrifices so that they could change laws so I could experience all the freedom that they have. But I, I've just never I, I've never trusted politicians And I just believe in myself and what we as men and women can do for ourselves, particularly those of us that are believers, that if we just worship, if we just put our faith in God and in each other and our ability to accomplish things,
2: we won't die. We will actually flourish. Yeah. The best role of the church is to testify to the government. When you think about Martin Luther King, what did he do? He testified to government of the changes they need to make. But he himself, he was a minister. Yes. He was a, 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 a man advo- advocating the, ki- the ways of the kingdom of God. Like, and that's, a, you, you know, if, if I had a T-shirt, it's uh, my king is Jesus. My leader, he's Jesus. Right. But if we, and so to me, the goal, if I'm hearing you all
0: right, is let's make the church more powerful than the government. Yes,
5: let 's make Jesus
2: that's god 's plan a God 's yes. plan A is to change the world through the church, not government exactly. nutshell.
0: Let me end on this note, asking you all because and this is for whatever part of the woke audience I reach out to, uh, given slavery, I want you guys to speak directly to them, how should we feel about america's founding fathers i i there's there's this belief now that uh, they, they committed sins so despicable that anything that they did is tainted, including the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. It's all tainted
2: because of their sin. Is that accurate? Um, it all depends on what you mean by that. Do we make them idols who committed no sins? Uh, well, we're not going to do that. I hope we're not doing that. But just like me, like I was sharing with Anthony as we were coming in, uh, my kids got to the point growing up with me where they realized, man, my dad has these faults. I thought my dad was great. I thought my dad was perfect. My son's got a book coming out. And in it, he has this thing where I thought my dad did everything right. And then I realized he didn't. And and I went through a real negative period toward my dad. And then he says, I had to work through it to realize, you know, my dad's got faults, but everybody's got faults. My dad is still a good man. I look at the same way of the founding fathers. Did they have faults? Yes, they did. But did they still do good things? Yes, they did in the midst of that. And, And let's be honest, if we're talking about what the Bible says, like the Bible is full of people with faults that God used, like Abraham. Abraham is the uh, forefather of the faith for Jews and Christians. And Abraham had sex with his slave Hagar and had Ishmael through her. Now, does that mean he did right? No, it was not a good thing. But did God still use him? And, uh, you know, you could go through the list of all these people in the Bible and they're just like you and me, Jason. We've got our faults. But does that mean that our faults totally uh, destroy the good that God still does through us? And I would say, no, they're still good through us, just like our forefathers. They did a lot of good, and we just need to acknowledge they were men of their time with the flaws and faults of their time, just like we have the same tendency. I think part
5: of what comes from that question is that we have... Lifted our forefathers to almost idle status in some instances that they could do no wrong They did no wrong. We minimize their faults as if it just really didn't exist uh, as he brings up Abraham I think about David uh, David was a great man of God. I mean to the church in Israel They would look back to old King David, but David, you know He slept with a married woman had her husband killed. They had a love child It was a whole messy thing but because he had gotten so distant from his sin that even when a good friend of his came and told him a parable that was just like his sin, David raised up and said, man, that man ought to be killed. He had become so distant that he didn't realize, wait, that was me. So as we look back at our founders, I'm with Bobby, they did some good things. Um, I struggle with revering them because, you know, some of the stuff they did was heinous. If we take a comprehensive look at them, if you take a comprehensive look at me, I've got some good, I've got some flaws, but the whole story gets told. And I don't mind looking back to them and say, hey, they did what they did and this happened versus, oh, David just had a little entanglement relationship. No, he got messy, you know. So we gotta look at it comprehensively.
2: that's one of the differences in the Bible. The Bible never covers anybody's sin or makes them look Minimizes it. It, right. it never makes them look better than they were. And I think that's part of what we've got to do with history, is do both. I, I got to say, that's what I try to do with myself.
0: Bobby will uh, text me after the show and be like, man, I can't believe you said that about yourself. I'm so proud of you. are So transparent. And it's really like, no, I want you to have an accurate picture of me. I, I really do. A really accurate picture. Because I've done some stuff like, holy cow. We all have. (laughs) I mean, honest to goodness, thank you. Jesus. Yes. But overall, I want to be remembered for the good stuff that I did. And there's plenty of it. And, uh, Uncle Jimmy, you got anything? Yeah, I would just
1: like to say that I would like to not be remembered for covering, coveting after my neighbor's ass.
2: <laughs>
1: it's cows. <laughs> it's cattle. Don't the Bible say that? Don't cover thy neighbor's Dunkey. ass. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> that the Bible say that?
2: His don't. He use that word, <laughs> oh, but, it, but it encompasses okay. that. OK, right.
1: I'm still. In. Thank you, Pastor. Remember that song? Pastor Bobby on the left hand side. No, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been listening to anything we said? I heard every. That's why I felt that was that last part. I, I felt vindicated. I,
0: I'm still in. <laughs> it's, there's still help for me. <laughs> I'm not going to come to you next week if you don't crack jokes. <laughs>
2: hey, you know, Jason, if we're ever, ever going to talk about harmony, can yeah. I just say this Tennessee harmony? Yeah. Here's what it's about. It's about that we're all sinners who've lost the way. And by repentance and by God's grace, that's how we find the way. And uh, grace is so important right now for our nation because it's by grace that we have been forgiven by God and we forgive those. We forgive our political enemies. We uh, turn the other cheek. We try to work things out. We don't view people as evil. We view them as having perspectives that are Uh, not right. Sometimes they have ingrained evil in their perspectives, but they're not evil. They're all made in the image of God. And Jesus died for all of us. And at the, at the bottom, love is the answer, love and forgiveness and doing the work of repentance and restoration. That's one of the issues I think, as he pointed out, sometimes we put a person's
5: political ideology or their thoughts. We put that to, that's who you are. You're a soul that God desires to save. You may have different thoughts on these issues, but you're a soul that God sees that he wants to save so much so that he invested the blood of his dear son.
0: So I want to be forgiven for not starting today with a prayer. So I'm going to ask Anthony and Bobby to end today with a prayer. Anthony, you go first, then Bobby, you close us out.
5: Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your grace, your mercy. Father, we know that you have called us to be just like your son, Jesus. We look to him who is the author and finisher of our faith. We pray that what we've discussed here today is pleasing and acceptable in thy sight.
2: It's great to be here, God. Thank you for Jason. Thank you for these conversations. And uh, we just want to say that love and forgiveness and the grace of Jesus is the greatest thing. And we pray that that would be the harmony that we can help others to see. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: God, I know he left Uncle Jimmy out. Believe he
0: put him in there too. <laughs> that's said that's all for us.
3: Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing
5: in line for freedom, Look for a breakout, feeling like a
3: Nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation. We all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been
5: alone. i breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving, all receiving. We all wanna be free. We want
3: freedom I just want, I wanna be I just want, I wanna be